and it's a cool song too. I'm sad I can't do it. I'm good at woodwork. I think, yeah. I, could, I, think I could do it. I bet yeah. I think I could do it. That'd be about it. I couldn't like suture it all closed. Though. That'd be hard. Welcome back to Horse Talk with Doc. And Doc Rice is in the studio yet again. Hello. Hello, Dr. Rice. It's good to see you. It's, we've been away for a little while. Yeah. Had some holidays, some vacation. And uh, I thought we've had a lot of conversation recently about quote unquote kissing spines and the horse. So I thought we should go through the etiology of it, the pathology of it, and how we treat it. And I know I wanted you to talk about it because you're an expert on it because you do all the surgeries of the cases that I send in to you. Why don't you just kind of give us a brief overview of what kissing spines actually is. Scientific name, I guess you would say, is either impinging or overriding dorsal spinous processes. So that's what we're talking about, the kind of spike of bone that sticks up from your vertebrae in your chest region, so thorax and lower backs, lumbar spine, what can happen is those can either touch and cause irritation or even overlap on each other and that can cause discomfort. But does it impinge the spinal cord? No, it does not involve the spinal cord. So, so the bones just move somehow? Yeah, exactly. And it's probably a lot related to the muscling there and mm. things like that because that's what stabilizes the portion of the bone. Would a sway back horse be more likely to have it? Potentially. Potentially, okay. But yeah, we've most of the horses I think we've seen together are young or performance horses. Mm -hmm. They say that prevalence is high but the morbidity is low. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so that means that we actually see this radiographically in a lot of horses. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's causing them any clinical pain. So that can be the challenge is that maybe you're doing a pre-purchase exam or something like that and getting x-rays of the back and you see this, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the horse is having an issue with it. So that's how why we have to do a few things sometimes to truly diagnose if this is really a problem. So if you so if a client just wants you to x-ray the horse's back for no reason you might get some false positives. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Just take that with a grain of salt that just because you see it doesn't mean it's a problem. But if the client is having, if you're x-raying the horse because you're working up for a source of lameness and you see it, then maybe it could be a real thing. Exactly. We still don't know 100%. Right. Okay, so where is, like where on the back are most of these lesions seen? usually in what we call the thoracic spine, so basically the vertebrae that have ribs attached to them. So right where the saddle is? Exactly. That's not a good place. So right behind the withers, yeah. basically. Can be seen in the lumbar spine, so they're kind of lower back, mm -hmm. but less commonly. I think it'd be hard to x-ray back there too. And it's more challenging. Couldn't, muscle. Probably couldn't do that in the field. Yeah, it'd be a little more difficult. And then people get this? People do get this. They most commonly have issues in their lower back compared to mm -hmm. the horse, which is more in the thoracic spine, but they do get this and it is uncomfortable. And that's usually where the saddle is. Mm -hmm. So not a good place. Right. So it, the saddle is gonna be there. Some horses might be uncomfortable with saddling. 
there's a lot of horses out there that hate mm-hmm. when you tighten up the saddle. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean they have back pain. Maybe they just don't want to get ridden. Maybe they just don't want you to tighten up their girth or their cinch. But, you know, if they're showing a lot of discomfort or resentment mm-hmm. every time you're trying to put the saddle on them, that might be an indication that they're uncomfortable. So if you were an internal medicine person, you would scope them for ulcers. Gotta scope them. Probably scope them first. <laughs> it's cheaper than surgery. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so discomfort. Does your horse like when you cinch him up to go riding? I have one horse that's okay with it. One horse that makes lots of faces. Mm-hmm. But she's older. She's yeah. been through it. I think they just hate. They know what's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you can palpate. So like when I'm doing a physical exam, I palpate the musculature on either side of the dorsal spinous processes, and then I palpate directly on top. And I'm not sure how sensitive that can be in differentiation, but it feels like if I palpate on the uh, dorsal spinous processes and they kind of flinch. Like I'm, I'm a little more cued into that rather than this like muscle pain. Right, exactly. And then I think a common one that clients tell me is bucking and rearing and unwillingness to move forward. It's hard though because you want to do an exam, right? So it's hard to know if they're bucking because of behavior or they're bucking because they're lame. Right. So. Right. And I think that's where the diagnosis gets a little bit challenging is that you want to rule out pain, Mm -hmm. sure, but there are also probably our horses out there that just don't want you to ride them. Yeah. (laughs) They can have hind end lameness too? Yeah, so, you know, think about how their their bodies are put together, you know, when a horse has back pain, Mm -hmm. that can manifest as, you know, pain in their hocks and things like that and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out which one came first and which one is really the problem. Okay. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. So would you block the whole horse out, or? I think that wouldn't be wrong, especially if you're seeing a hind end lameness and you know trying to block that out first to make sure that it's not coming from the lower legs. Okay. Would be useful. And then there is a paper actually that came out in 2019 that looked at blocking the dorsal spinal mm-hmm. processes to see and comparing that to horses that didn't get blocked out, and both those groups had surgery mm-hmm. for, for kissing spine, and they did find that horses that responded to the blocking prior to surgery ended up having better long-term outcomes. You know, just like any other lameness, we always try to localize where the source of pain is coming from. If we can localize that the pain is coming from the back, then doing some sort of intervention to fix that going to help them long-term just gives us a little bit better idea that this is where it's coming from. So the horses that blocked out were actually sore there, probably. Right. And the horses that didn't block out, maybe they were sore, maybe they weren't. Right. Hard to know. We don't know. know. We don't know. We can't prove it. I feel like that's the old thing. We don't do this anymore often, but neurectomies, right? You would block the horse and show the client how sound your horse will be. Right. And then be like, that's the sound it's going to be because that's where I'm going to cut the nerve. Right. I think I've tried blocking them once, and I think it helped. I don't know. Like, I had the client get back on the horse type of thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like it's most helpful when you can do it in the horse's environment. Mm-hmm. So when horses come into the clinic, it's a little bit more challenging right mm-hmm. now. But we have our lameness arena coming. So lameness arena. Ground, we broke ground in a tent in, in November, but yeah. I haven't seen the actual ground break yet. Have you? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Uh, I think we have to move some pipes. Yes. So. Yes. Easier, you know, if a horse is bucking or having mm-hmm. issues under saddle, to have them in that environment. Yeah. And then block them and see if that changes anything. 
Yeah, I think it would be nice when we have our alumnus arena. Right. To see some of these more difficult cases. Right. When we make the diagnosis, there's lots of ways to do it. So on the farm, I'm probably going to take x-rays. Mm -hmm. The x-rays are probably not the like most definitive way to diagnose it. They can look ugly, but have right. no pain. Exactly. And I find those to be difficult to deal with. And like when you said earlier about pre-purchase exams, I always cringe a little because it's become part of the pre-purchase exam. And I'm not sure if a client should fail the horse or if the client, like how much risk there is. Right. I can just tell them it has this lesions, but right. I didn't feel any pain, but maybe it'll be pain later. I don't know. Exactly. And I think that's the hard part is that, I mean, they've, they've also looked at, you know, done autopsies horses that died for other reasons and they have evidence of this kissing spines and that was never a problem so it's hard to know what horses are going to have a problem and which ones aren't but it does seem like we're, we see it often in kind of younger more active performance horses so it seems like we would know sooner than you wonder sooner. if those old horses if they were just old horses living out in the field right and they don't really they don't need it so we can grade them on x-rays and they can look like the spaces can narrow. And just because the space is narrow doesn't mean it is positive. I usually look for like more like sclerosis. Mm -hmm. So some discoloration of the x-ray, right? Some, yeah. And then you can have complete huge lesions, right? Yeah, you can have big cyst-like lesions, even loss of some mm -hmm. of the bone too, which would be kind of the higher grade. Yeah. Do you think if you lived in the Washington State or Oregon, you'd be like, it's blastomycosis? <laughs> Maybe. You can't rule it out. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you do in, you, in the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> when I was out there. Yeah. I, we just treated it like normal. Okay. Like normal. You, you didn't think it was some crazy <laughs> blasto? Because blasto yeah. can do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our small animal counterparts would go hunting for blasto. Yeah, for sure. Like, no, I think it's total spot. And then we can do the old bone scan. Yes. But there's some evidence that it's not as useful as we once thought it was? Yeah, I think there's kind of contradictory evidence. So some papers say that it's more useful to show a clinically active or clinically relevant mm -hmm. issue if you can see that it's lighting up mm -hmm. on a bone scan. You know, bone scans showing us areas of active bone turnovers. You know, a current problem, then probably there's bone turnover there. So maybe that's more helpful. It's just sort of this contradictory evidence in some of the papers about how helpful. It's kind of similar to radiographs. Yeah. Physical exam is probably more important. Yeah. And I think having just multiple of these things, mm -hmm. like pain on palpation, mm -hmm. some sort of clinical sign not wanting mm -hmm. to be written, things like that, evidence on imaging, mm -hmm. and putting all of that together helps make a better diagnosis. So one imaging modality by itself, or even together, is probably not useful. Right. Because you can see hot spots on horses that are not lame that are just exercising. Exactly. Like their bones are turning over like they're supposed to. Right. Do you use a lot of centrifuge? I feel like it's going out of favor from like 20 years ago. Yeah, I would say we, we, we do a fair bit just for the horses that don't block out anything okay. lower. Okay. So it's more like a kind of, let's see, we can't figure out traditionally, let's look for it this way. I guess I was trained always, and maybe this was because they were always in a hurry, 
but they would do the bone scan first, and then they'd block the horse out. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it may be easier. Yeah. It could be like, oh, this is where we think it is to start, and we'll block that out. Right. When I was at the racetrack, scintigraphy I think is useful for those horses, right? Because you can find you can find what bone turnover and be like, oh, maybe this horse could be more likely prone to having a fracture. Yeah, but absolutely. I think in young horses, but we don't see that population here. Not well, as much. Not as much. Occasional standard bread. Occasional standard bread. They don't break much though. No, they're pretty hardy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make you look good. <laughs> yeah, not like the thoroughbreds. And then ultrasound. Have you you ultrasounded these? A couple of them, yeah. just to, you know, there's multiple ligaments in the area, so you have your supraspinous ligament, that's the ligament that's right on top of the dorsal spinous processes, mm -hmm. and you can have, you know, like big holes in that too that are causing discomfort, so it can just be, you know, an added piece of information to try to figure out exactly what's going on. Okay. And then, so we have the diagnosis, and then we can tell the client, we can do of different things like conservative versus surgical so when it, so what, what are some of the options that you like to give to your clients for conservative so we'll try try this approach first type of thing yeah so some of the things that you can do just like we talked about a long while ago with our osteoarthritis mm, the tornado of cytokines <laughs> is decreasing inflammation and the best way to do that is with an injection of a steroid Okay. Um, you can do local injections or steroids to see if that helps mm -hmm. with any discomfort. Shockwave therapy can be really helpful. I think that helps alleviate some discomfort. Yeah, and I I wonder too because shockwave like can harm the bone, right? Quote unquote, harm the bone and cause it to turn over. Maybe it might make it heal more. Potentially. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know you can use things like bisphosphonate, so like osphos potentially. There was one paper right that showed with one of the bisphosphonates that they had like better lumbar movement afterwards. It was a study that wasn't the best design study, but maybe right. showed some positive right. stuff, yeah. And that would be back to the bone, like the nasty kind of hole in the bone, stop that hole. Right. And it has good pain relief for bone. Right. I don't use it often for that, but... I haven't used it for yeah. that, but there's definitely reports of it. There are. I, I'm a little more scared of the bisphosphonates. I just don't want to give the horse chronic kidney disease for <laughs> right. a small lameness issue. <laughs> and then there's things like acupuncture, mm -hmm. chiropractic, and just like physiotherapy that, you know, I don't think are ever going to harm the horse, but how much they help is debatable. What, what is physiotherapy? So just doing things like stretching, okay. core exercises, yeah. try to strengthen the muscles. That probably is going to help for something, right? Yeah, absolutely. I worry, do you worry about chiropractic though with them like kind of like moving this, like the bones the back bones. and forth? Or do they like release, quote unquote, release things? Yeah, I guess I don't really know I don't either. exactly what, yeah. what is happening there, but does it help with some of the muscle pain? Because I think probably. a lot of this is that there's so much pain that they end up kind of losing muscle in that mm -hmm. area, and then it just sort of spirals. Another tornado, if well, you will. Tornado of muscle loss. <laughs> and so if we can take away the pain and allow them to regain mm -hmm. muscle, I think that that helps quite a bit. And that is what we use in post-operative management okay. as well. And I think acupuncture would be would be useful for pain management, right? Absolutely. And then maybe some electroacupuncture mm -hmm. can like stimulate the nerves. Right that would be pretty useful. Dr. Bucci, one of our old interns in the Central Ohio area, does a lot of acupuncture. Nice. 
and she's really good at it. She went to school here and did her internship here. She was my first intern, only for a month or two, and then, That's well, because fun. I started in May, but then yeah. she finished up, yeah. so. That's cool. Yeah, so she's around if people need a good acupuncturist. All right, and then, so do you think, so like when I'm talking to clients, right, I'm like, we can do these conservative treatments, or we can just do some surgery and just get it done. And then we can do conservative treatments afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of my thought process. I guess it really depends on the cl client's financing. Yeah. But, you know, you wonder with a couple of doses of um, acupuncture or a couple of doses of shockwave therapy, you might have paid for surgery. Or doing more standing surgery nowadays in these horses, so, you know, a little less risk of general anesthesia and um, it's going to cost the client less because there's no anesthesia costs. Right associated with it. So what surgery are you kind of doing your first line defense? Most commonly what we're doing here is what we call the interspinous ligament desmotomy. So that's basically cutting the ligament that is between each of those spinous processes. And what that does is, you know, I think we don't fully know why that helps. Some of the speculation is there's a nerve that runs in that ligament, so mm -hmm. taking away the pain, basically doing a form of neurectomy, taking away the pain allows the horse to, you know, strengthen those muscles and sort of reshape their back. Um, it also, there's some receptors on the spinous processes, and so if they're under a lot of tension, then taking away, cutting that ligament mm -hmm. sort of takes off some of that force on those receptors, so that takes away some pain again. So that's kind of the thought process as to why that helps. And it seems like, you know, postoperatively with some therapy afterwards, the spinous process can then move and separate a little bit um, to help them be more comfortable. And how the surgery works is basically we, they're standing sedated and we usually put them in stocks just to um, keep them a little more contained. And we do local nerve blocks and local blocks uh, the sites of, in, of incision and we just make small little one centimeter incisions so it's very minimally invasive. Um, we go in just off the side of midline and go in and cut that little ligament in the, in the affected sites. So why do you go off midline? I notice that when I pull out your sutures. Yeah, so just because we kind of come at the ligament from the side mm -hmm. so it gives just better access because a lot of times you can't actually get in between. Yeah, because yeah, they're too close together. Look at that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's why they're overriding and kissing. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. I always pull the sutures. I'm like, wow. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> Did you miss? <laughs> yeah. Did she hit the right thing? <laughs> Do you take x-rays post-op? I usually don't take immediate post-op mm -hmm. x-rays, but definitely, you know, can be useful just to see particularly if the horse isn't improving, mm -hmm. see if there's been any changes or not. Um, or sometimes you can see that there has been improvement. So, you know, maybe in a month or two after okay. surgery. Yeah, usually the clients usually want to see, and you see, I think they move a, a titch. Yeah. So we just reviewed some film that looked like they moved some, and yeah. hopefully, I think the ligament, I think, you know, the cutting the ligament really has to help pull, let those spinous processes do their thing. Right. This surgery, you'll want to slowly rehab them, yeah. right? Hand walk them for 20 minutes a day, twice a day, and then increasing that, what, five minutes for, mm -hmm. for about a month. And then they can go in a small paddock, and then they can start lunging 
or 10 minutes a day up until week eight. So you get about two months of rehab. Two months of rehab. And the, I think uh, making sure that the owner's on board to do this rehab is mm -hmm. the most important part of the surgery, to be honest. If, they're, if that's not going to happen, there's not that much point in doing the surgery itself because we need to strengthen those muscles. People lunging, horses will recommend things like the Pessoa lunging system or like side reins just to get the horse in a frame where they're actually using their core mm -hmm. and strengthening those back muscles. And then we also add in, you know, core stretches and things like that. So moving their head from side to side, you know, lifting their, their belly, things like that to try to strengthen those muscles. That's probably the most important part. Have you ever tried doing exercise therapy before surgery? That's a good question because I, I've been talking to, you know, some colleagues and, you know, for people that maybe can't afford surgery mm -hmm. or, you know, are hesitant to have their horse have surgery, mm -hmm. they've had a few horses where they just do that exercise mm -hmm. program and have seen improvement. So that's certainly an option too. Yeah. The surgery is not super expensive, is it? No. I think it's like two to 2500 mm -hmm. for, you know, three days in the hospital. Three days. Oh, they stay that long, huh? Mm -hmm. We usually uh, ice them after surgery, ice their back. Oh, really? Hours. There is the more aggressive surgery. Yeah. Where they're basically cutting off some bone. So right. what? how does that one work? Yeah, so with that one, you need to make a larger incision. So you need to have more access to those dorsal spinous processes. And basically, what there's two ways you can do it. You can, basically what you're doing is chopping the top off mm -hmm. of every other dorsal spinous process that's being affected so that they're no longer impinging on each other. Or you can cut the front portion of the spinous process so that it's no longer touching the one next front. to it. Yeah. Okay. Which way would you want to do it? There's been more reports out lately of doing the, we'll call it the subtotal, which is just chopping the whole top off. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, they, you know, originally we were doing that in a horse under anesthesia just because you need to have a large incision um, that there's been reports now of that being done standing and it seems like horses do fairly well with that um, but it is less minimally invasive than than the ligament transection you just need a larger incision and it can kind of change the contour of their back because they no longer have that bone there so they have like holes in their little, top line little bumps yeah <laughs> That might not be the best if you're going to try to resell the horse. Right. Yeah. The most recent paper, their return to athletic function was similar or better than the interspinous ligament mm -hmm. cutting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Should we start doing that first or do you think the minimally invasive is probably better? I think minimally invasive for me seems like mm -hmm. probably the best option for the horse. But if there's you know so severe that we feel like that's not going to work mm -hmm. or maybe this doesn't work initially then that could be something we try secondary yeah i feel like before we start cutting bones off the horse right. it seems like it could be very painful for the horse and rehab longer and i feel like the chance of infection is a lot more having a hole in the horse's back where you cut some bone right and all of those muscles around that that area are really important to mm -hmm. you know the stability of horse too so you know the least invasive that we can be is and that's a cool yeah because you have to move a lot transect you probably not cutting that muscle I'm but good you at what we're going through <laughs> i think i could do it yeah. in our I I hands do it. Uh, secondary <laughs> be about it. i couldn't 
I don't want to like say salvage because they come back, but <laughs> like I'd be more secondary um, of treatment. And then you can do them down also, right, with anesthesia? Right, and that, reserve that for horses that maybe wouldn't tolerate a certain mm-hmm. procedure. Not every horse is going to be okay. Just, you know, there's a lot going on. There's going to be sounds. You know, we have to use a, um, a saw to cut mm-hmm. that bone. So, you know, horses that are standing may not tolerate that always. And then afterwards, you do this rehab for them also? Right, right. And that's the important part. It just allows them to strengthen those muscles and mm-hmm. strengthen them without the pain that they previously had. Because I think it's really hard to strengthen muscles when you have pain. And, you know, that's going to be what helps them. Rehab Rehab's probably important for everything, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they do that a lot on people. They do. They should. So, There's yeah. still some old surgeons that don't. Yeah. But the good, like, you know, if you have a hip transplant or not transplant, if you have a, a hip replacement, you're doing physical therapy the next day, you get those muscles tight, right. strong. Right. That's the thing. Muscles are super strong. But predilection to certain horses and like colleagues you've talked to, or do you see it in warm bloods and quarter horses and all horses? Yeah, I think you see it in all horses. I just feel like maybe it's just our population, but most of the horses that have done it in here have been quarter horses. Probably just because that's our. Right. Definitely had our, our share of cases. I don't think it's wrong to want the client to ask to have the horses back x-rayed, but no. I think we need to think about it afterwards of like what we want to, how we want to move forward with this information. Right. So right. Um, I'd hate to send a horse in for surgery of kissing spines that's not really bothering the horse. Right. I mean, maybe it, it will pull them apart, but it might not be its major source of pain. Right. Okay. All right, uh, doctors, there's been a lot of talk about wanting people want to know about like doing pre-purchase exams. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should talk about that at some point? Yeah, it's great. So like what we can talk about, like what's in the pre-purchase exam, and I, I don't know if it's going to be a two-part or one-part series. Right. So Yeah, what it means, how to, how to interpret, interpret it. Yeah. I, I don't know how to interpret it either. <laughs> Just give them the information. Exactly. And then they can talk to their veterinarian. Right. <laughs> Unless I'm their veterinarian. And then I have to interpret for them. <laughs> and then I think uh, up to was uh, we have a new farrier here at yes, Ohio State. We do. Yes, Dave Purvis is coming multiple days a week now. Okay. Um, and we're trying to kind of grow this podiatry and sports medicine program with the new with the new Lanus Arena. And mm-hmm. So we have some exciting things ahead. And we have a new veterinarian joining us, Dr. Kelleher. Yeah, Dr. Kelleher um, is coming in to sort of run this sports medicine program. So a lot of MRI imaging, um, things like that. So cool. It's going to be really exciting. And Dave will see any horse? Yeah, he'll see any horse. Uh, I think his background is a lot in English sport horses, but he's willing to do just about anything. And he's, you know, very interested in teaching he really enjoys teaching the students and uh, it's really easy to talk to so okay so if you have a horse that needs special shoes or you don't even have a farrier but you have a trailer they could come here absolutely as of right now he's coming on wednesdays and fridays okay and he is excited to to work so Okay. Anyone's so they just call the main number and mm-hmm. get it, and they don't have to see a doctor. They can just Not see. Not necessarily, yeah. If, if they want to, for, okay. Yeah, if it's just to have the farrier care, he'd be happy to do that. Okay. Yeah. So if, I guess people are missing their farrier, don't have one, and then we could always take the X-rays exactly. for him, right? Yeah. And he can help him do a better job shoeing. Right. So 
Um, and we have a forge here, so he can make hot shoes and stuff like that. So, all right, I think I'm gonna get him on the podcast to That'd talk about some of the newer shoe technology that he's been using, yeah, that'd be great. and uh, go from there. All right, Dr. Race. Well, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hopefully you have a nice week off clinic so you can get caught up on on work. And uh, I'm going to go battle the snow. Good luck. Yeah, we have to look at some lame horses. The students' hands get cold when they have yeah. to scrub in the cold. <laughs> they don't like it, so we're heating the scrub up for them this Maybe morning. Maybe you'll see a horse with back pain. Probably. I feel like I see it a lot. I just don't know how to interpret it. Usually we say it's probably lower limb first. Right. And then, yeah. Right. All right, Dr. Race, thank you, and have a nice day. If everyone um, likes this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and like us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.